The Bruce Trail, Canada's oldest and longest rugged path that travels from Queenston, Niagara to Tobamori in southern Ontario and that spans 900 kilometers from start to finish is a well-hiked terrain attracting more than 400,000 hikers a year. Some will walk the same section over and over and be satisfied. Others will attempt to conquer it in pieces over the course of several years. Not many do it in one fell swoop. Chris Scully Brown was determined to be one of the not many. I find it very rewarding to complete insane challenges. The challenge aspect of pushing myself clearly beyond my limits. I think it's more just an accomplishment thing. I'm not really a big fan of hiking. I just wanted to do it to say I did it. Part of it is doing it to see if I could do it and if I could pull it off. Welcome to Diabetic to Dietetics. I'm Katie Bartell, the host of this podcast showcasing the incredible and unique stories of people with type 1 diabetes. As a registered dietitian who works with people that have type 1 diabetes and as a person that has T1D myself, I have seen and experienced the highs and lows of this disease literally and figuratively. Type 1 diabetes is not a textbook disease. The way one person experiences this disease can be vastly different from the way another person experiences it. There are so many stories buried in type 1. This podcast is all about sharing those stories. It's a place for those outside the T1D community to learn of our struggles and of our successes, and it's a place for those with T1D to connect. Today, Chris Scully-Brown shares her Bruce Trail with T1D experience, both the good and the grizzly. Scully, as many know her, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes nearly 20 years ago at the ripe age of 22 years old. She'd already spent years adventuring through life. She was an avid runner, cyclist, backpacker prior to diabetes, and she refused to let this diagnosis get in the way of her physical pursuits. Post-diagnosis, Scully continued to run marathons and cycle 100 to 300 kilometer days. She's a former member of the Team Type 1 cycling organization and frequently went on three to five day backcountry excursions. But never had she spent consecutive weeks hiking at a time until the Bruce. A lot of people have it on their bucket list to complete the Bruce Trail. It goes through public lands, private lands, roads. It kind of weaves its way around 900 kilometers. And it goes through the Niagara biosphere, all through green space. It just kind of cuts a trail from top to bottom. It's not necessarily a trail that is set up for uh, through hiking, which is what I did. Scully started in Tobamori and walked south in the direction of her home in Hamilton, Ontario. It was arguably the harder direction to start with, but for her, it made sense to get the hard out of the way first and end on the easy. I didn't even consider going from south to north. I just thought, well, no, automatically I'm just going to go from north to south and get the hard part done. Get that out of the way. I don't know, getting the hard part out of the way makes me feel better. It's like when you go for a run, go run the hill first so you can run downhill on your way home. Scully spent months physically preparing her body. 
She rollerbladed the streets of Hamilton for hours in between her work days. She walked multiple 20-kilometer days and started running about two months prior. She wasn't able to cart a pack on her back ahead of time due to chronic pain from double frozen shoulder. But still, she was confident her legs and feet were built up strong. That was key. That really set my lower half of my body up, really built up my legs and my feet. Scully also knew that 20 to 30 kilometer hiking days would likely take a toll on her blood sugars and adjusted her insulin accordingly right from the start. Scully is on multiple daily injections. She takes long-acting insulin twice a day and rapid-acting insulin with meals containing carbohydrates. I reduced my Lantus to a very, very small amount because I knew throwing my body into 20 to 30 kilometers of rugged hiking was going to wreck my blood sugar as far as I was probably going to be low. So I kind of erred on the side of caution and I took significantly less insulin. I took one third of what I would normally take. So for the first four days, I didn't really have any lows. It was amazing. As prepared as Scully was physically, and as prepared as she was early on with her insulin dosing, she was not prepared nutritionally. Scully admittedly did not put extensive effort into planning a nutrition strategy for the trek ahead of time. She does not have a large appetite to begin with. She has long struggled with fueling her body during intense physical activities, but this time she thought slash hoped her body would cue her to eat. It did not. In the world of through hiking, we have what you call hiker hunger. And most of the long distance through hikers will talk about hiker hunger hitting at like two or three weeks into a long distance backpacking trip where you're just ravenously hungry all the time. And I shamelessly thought that I would get ravenously hungry at some point. I thought I I was going to really experience this thing that everybody talks about. Hiker hunger occurs when the body burns significantly more calories than it takes in for days to weeks on end. As soon as food is readily available, the brain signals the body to consume any and all foods it can to replenish its nutrient stores. For many, that amount is massive. But for Scully, hiker hunger never presented itself, which, if you look closely at her history of eating during sport, It's not that surprising. Most of the time you hear about people that can eat through a buffet after they finish a marathon, but I've never been that way. After a day of heavy exercise, I'm usually a little bit more hungry the day after, but the day of, I'm just nauseous. And so that's what I was doing out there was putting myself into this level of nausea day after day. I don't have a very big appetite to begin with in my regular life. So yeah, you add in this endurance exercise, which in my experience, I find actually reduces my hunger levels other people, it makes you more hungry. For me, it makes me less hungry. I made the mistake of just going off my hunger cues. And if I wasn't hungry, I wasn't eating. 
30 kilometers a day means that I was hiking usually around 8 to 10 hours and I was very bad at not taking breaks, not sitting down, not pulling food out in my pack. I was only eating when I was hungry and the longer I hiked, the less hungry I got and the worse it got. I wasn't putting enough time into fueling and in retrospect, what I should have been doing is really trying harder to eat. Not necessarily force myself, but just put more effort into making time to properly eat and fuel because it was a downhill battle from day one. Scully's low appetite phenomenon is not abnormal. I too have experienced the same nausea and disinterest in eating following intense physical activity. I still remember after my first marathon, it taking me more than two hours to eat a small individual size cup of Greek yogurt. I remember another race wanting to vomit the smell of half-cut bananas. And I remember after the birth of my son, most definitely an intense workout, trying to eat a piece of sushi and feeling nothing but a turned stomach. This is because when you exercise at a high effort or for long periods of time, the body prioritizes getting blood to the working muscles, which means blood flow to the gut is diverted, which slows digestion down. This is what causes appetite suppression and nausea or other abdominal discomfort. And on the diabetes side of things, high blood sugars can also affect appetite. But here's the thing, through hikers can burn anywhere from 2,000 to more than 6,000 calories a day, depending on body size, terrain, elevation, weight of their pack, how long they're trekking, and more. For most of these hikers, consuming enough calories to sustain their efforts is an ongoing challenge. But for someone like Scully, who is already challenged to eat enough, even without physical activity, it's near impossible. It definitely took a toll on her performance. I was struggling to stay focused on what I was doing. I was relying more on my podcasts and music to kind of keep me distracted and busy. Physically, I was getting drained quicker and my muscles were hurting earlier in the day. And every day was like a bit of a groundhog day where at a certain point, I was just slogging through the pain cave. And it was not getting any easier. In fact, as the days went on, it was getting harder. That's what really struck me as odd. When I started finding it getting harder, when it should have been getting easier, especially as the terrain leveled out, I also found myself taking shortcuts wherever I could. There are a few times where I knew that the road went straight and the trail went up and around. And I chose the road because I couldn't bear the thought of climbing up just one little hill. Those are the indications that things were not okay. My mental faculties. When Scully set out to do the Bruce Trail, she wanted to explore its beauty. This trail had been a part of her backyard for as long as she could remember, but she'd only known small segments of it. She wanted to see its vastness. She wanted to experience its uniqueness, all of it. For her to cut corners midway, that was significant. Scully's blood sugars also started steadily creeping up as the days passed. Remember that she had significantly reduced her long-acting insulin early on, and that that had worked for the first few days. But remember also that she was not eating well throughout. 
I think it was four or five days where it was perfect. I didn't have highs during the day. I didn't have highs during the night. I didn't have horrible lows. It was perfect until it wasn't. <laughs> what I didn't realize is that after about a week, my body started adjusting to this. I didn't realize that I needed more insulin. At one point, Scully thought she had cooked her insulin, making it ineffective. She hadn't yet come to terms with the fact that her diabetes, nutrition, and hiking strategies were no longer working. There was one really uncomfortably hot day, and it was after that that I was struggling with a lot of high blood sugar, and I just kept upping my doses, my rapid and my long-acting. I was upping them little bit by little bit, and my blood sugars weren't coming down. Looking back, I think it was as my body was going into that calorie deficit, I think that that's what was causing my high blood sugar is the, the malnutrition. On October 23rd, 2021, day 21 of her Bruce Trail adventure, Scully's walls were crumbling. She had walked 20 kilometers with near debilitating nausea that day. Her feet and her mind refused to go further. I had a day where I was just extra nauseous the whole day. It had gotten to the point where I was taking some anti-nausea meds because I was so nauseous. And knowing my history, I thought, well, I'll sleep tonight because I was meeting up with Ryan, my husband, and I was spending the night in our camper van. And I thought, well, I'll just sleep through the night. I usually sleep through it and I wake up feeling much better the next morning. And I didn't feel any better the next morning. In fact, it was getting much worse. And despite what my head was telling me to just hop in that van and go wherever Ryan was going, I kept on hiking. And my brain just hit a huge brain fart, so to speak. I couldn't think, I couldn't focus, I couldn't walk. And I found myself setting my tent up in a not-so-quiet private area just because I couldn't walk anymore. And I had only made maybe 20 kilometers that day, which is short compared to what I was doing. And I just sat in my tent and I couldn't make a decision. I couldn't decide if I was going to unpack my sleeping bag or I just sat with my bag sitting next to me Scully called her husband, Ryan, who convinced her to walk to town and rent a hotel room. She spent two nights in that hotel room, flat on the bed with nausea. She couldn't eat. She couldn't move. And by the third day, I said, that's it. I'm going to put my pack on, going to get a ride back to the trail, and I'm going to hike. And if I cannot make it far this day, I'm calling my parents to come pick me up. Scully hiked 37 kilometers that day, the most she'd hiked to date. She hiked it in complete silence, no music, no podcasts. She reflected on her 23-day journey. Some parts of the reflection she smiled, most parts she cursed. She knew this would be her last day. so hell-bent and determined to not quit this thing. And that was the last thing I wanted to do, but I was very ill. Scully hiked a total of 606 kilometers of the 900-kilometer trail. Her exploration lasted 23 days, 21 of them hiking. She lost 14 pounds. She experienced minimal low blood sugars, but significant high blood sugars. It was a grueling 
adventure. Scully is looking for retribution. She is not yet done with the Bruce Trail. She plans to redo the whole trail this spring. After I got home and really thought about it and had time to be angry with it and angry with myself and then eventually let it go, forgive myself, know that I made the right decision, I decided I want to do it again, all over, all in one go, because that's what I want to do. It's my bucket list to hike the Bruce Trail from start to finish in one go. But this time I've learned through my mistakes and I'm hoping to not make those mistakes again. I just have to really make a concerted effort to listen to my body, not push myself too far. I think I did that on too many days and just accept that if I don't make it to a certain point in time, that that's okay. And that if it takes me an extra week to finish the trail, better than not finishing the trail at all. The biggest thing is just focusing on nutrition and getting fuel into my body. I think I made a mistake last time with a bunch of the meals that I pre-prepped because I didn't like them. And if I don't like them, I'm not going to eat them. So I think I'm going to forget that super healthy oatmeal that I made and I'm going to put some chocolate chips in it or something because it will make me eat it if I like it. Despite the fact that maybe it doesn't have my protein powder in it. If I don't like it, I'm not going to eat it. I think I'm better off bringing things that I know that I like more about what I want to eat, what I'm going to enjoy eating versus just plain up kind of grody nutrition. Scully recognized that packing foods she knows she will like and taking the time to eat them throughout her hike will surely change her diabetes management strategy. Given that energizing foods mostly come from carbohydrates, she acknowledges that she will likely need to inject more insulin throughout. But at least this time I know that it's okay to take a little bit of extra insulin, to trust in the exercise. Scully and I have known each other for years. We first met as T1D bloggers and quickly became cross-country T1D besties. She has been an ear to my many diabetes vents, as well as my diabetes boasts. She inspires me pretty much every time I talk to her, visit with her, or read her posts on Instagram. And my heart broke for her when she didn't complete the Bruce Trail. As much as I agreed it was for the best, I knew it would hurt her greatly not achieving that goal. You better believe I will be cheering so loudly from the West Coast as she embarks on her next Bruce journey. And you can too by following Scully on Instagram at cscullybrown. I've posted a link to her Instagram account on the blog with this podcast. Until next time, T1D community, stay happy, stay safe. I'm Katie Bartel.